1: I'm serious. It's time to put the F word back in parenting. Fun parenting. Oh my gosh, why can't we do this? Why can't we have dance parties in our kitchens? I don't understand. And now,
0: here's your host, Tara Kennedy-Klein.
1: Hey, Parent Nation. Hello, Kelly. Hello, Happy New Year. Happy New... We said that last week, Kelly.
2: Well, okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs)
1: I do still have my Christmas tree up,
2: though. Do you? Yeah, I'm one of those. I still have little remnants of things, but not my tree. Really? Yes, really. We're the family
1: that will find decorations for other holidays to put on the tree (laughs) to the point where, like in April, it'll have Easter eggs on it. (laughs) And that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. You know, one year we put out those, um, those light up reindeer. Yes. And I, I wouldn't take them down. I just left them up. And then like I decorated them for Valentine's day and then I decorated them for St. Patrick's day. And then the next thing you know, I'm decorating them for Cinco de Mayo. Like I Mm. put a Mexican blanket and a Mexican hat on them (laughs) and then it became a challenge. Sure. and so my challenge was to find ways to keep them up throughout the entire year so that I could just reuse them as Christmas decorations without having to take them down. Nice. Yeah, it was pretty fun. It was pretty nice. fun. Yeah. Well, I have
2: to tell you that my neighbor has a statue of a horse and I believe it's made out of a like a bronze metal. Mm-hmm. And right now, it has the headband with um, spiral springs and hearts on top of it for Valentine's Day. See, that's adorbs. <laughs> I'll have to take a picture and post it. See, I love that. I and would she- love that. She does that for every holiday. Does
1: she? Mm -hmm. So she's a little wackadoodle like me.
2: A little.
1: A little bit, you know. We keep our our lights up on our trees outside all year long. Mm. And Chris just makes sure that they're in lots of different colors. They're not just red and green and white because that way, like, we have pink and red and blue and purple and, you know, all that. So that way we can put our lights on on our trees all year round and it's all good I can't see how that's any different than people who decorate palm trees (laughs) that's true you know that is true we're just a little bit strange (laughs) I'd love to hear from parent nation and find out what their strange thing is oh yeah like what's your thing that you get away with you know I think that's funny stuff I love that people do weird things. I want to start sharing weird things. Uh-huh. Funny, funny weird things. Too much drama. You know what though, this hits me every election period. The drama. It starts right. to get to me. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. This is when I go into my shishi foo you know, inner child. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then I just want to be playful and I make fun of stuff. But, you know, I guess some of it's kind of serious. I can't take some of the candidates seriously at all. Anymore. Oh, no. I've, you know that there's, who was telling us about that? Carrie Lee, Master Angelo, was yeah. telling us about that at the end of her segment, that there's apps that you can get that remove certain topics, certain keywords from your, from your threads and stuff like that. Ah. Like you can get an yes. app that removes all things Kardashian. <laughs> I would love that. No. Sign me up. Right? Sign me up immediately. So now there's an app that you can get that removes all things Trump.
2: Mm, okay.
1: You know, my husband and I were having a very serious conversation with our teens about this. I did a Periscope. I don't know if you saw it last week. I'm trying this new thing because, you know, my mom's and I have that moms and bars thing that I do, right? Right, right. So now I've gotten into Periscope yes. by, by strong urging from certain people in my life, in my circle. The, the new and upcoming social media. Right. The new and upcoming social media. So I've started doing some Periscope stuff. And so what I do is I pick a topic and while I'm talking about it, I make a cocktail I construct a cocktail based on that theme, right? So last week I did a sour grapes cocktail, which was actually so strong that I'm glad I didn't drink it while I was doing the Periscope Ah. because because it was one of those things that I did it like, you know, in the late afternoon before I had eaten dinner and it hit me and I was like, woo, I got to take a nap. But anyway, it was, um, so anyway, I did this whole sour grapes thing, and we were talking about politics and how kids don't have elections in school anymore. And right. you know Parent Nation spoke up a little bit, and I did hear back, I did hear a lot of feedback from people who said their kids still talk about the electoral process and stuff like that in school. But what they're not doing anymore is they're not talking about the individual candidates' platforms. And what I've realized is we have kind of gotten away from the party – we've gotten away from individual platforms as part of your um, uh, election, as part of your candidacy. You know what I mean? Like when you're campaigning, it used to be that you wanted to know what Ronald Reagan's platforms were. What does he stand for? What What is he passionate about? We have gotten to the point now we are so divided by party lines that we say you're the best Republican or you're the best Democrat. I don't give a shit what you stand for. Right. I don't care what you've done individually. You are the best this or you are the best that. And I think that's where we have a problem, because when we when I used to be a huge Donald Trump fan. Like, when his his whole Apprentice show came out? Yes.
2: Good show. Good show.
1: Good show. Then it turned into Celebrity Apprentice, which irritated the hell out of me. Because, <laughs> let's face it, they're washed up. They're not even celebrities. They're either reality TV stars or washed up rock stars or athletes or whatever that just want to get back on the red carpet. They really don't have a lot of value anymore. And you're not going to, they're not going to come work for you. Do you know what I mean? Like when The Apprentice started, it was an opportunity for a young, entrepreneurial, independent thinking, out there kind of spirited person to get to work with Donald Trump. Holy bananas, is that a cool opportunity? (laughs) I wanted that. I wanted that. I wanted to be the first woman in direct sales who got on to the apprentice and could prove that mom's rule the world, right? Right. So, but oh, nay, nay. then he went to the whole celebrity concept and I would have been like I would have had to get my own reality TV show like leak like leak sex tapes or something so that I could <laughs> get so that I could get on there and fight with freaking the Lisa Lampanelli and <laughs> And Joan Rivers and, and and Gary Busey, like what the hell? That doesn't even make sense. Like they couldn't even form a sentence between the three of them. <laughs> oh, my God! But they're The Apprentice, so I kind of lost a little bit of respect for him there. But I still had to respect the fact that he is very good at marketing. Mm-hmm. Okay? Oh yes. Then when he ran for president, I thought, you know, I always thought that our country needed to be run more like a corporation. You know, you have to have a, a manager mindset. Mm-hmm. You have to have an entrepreneurial mindset. You have to have a business mindset, a mind for money, a mind for growing wealth, you know, managing people, bringing teams together, all of that. Then he turned into crazy. <laughs> like, he literally just went batshit crazy. And I'm like, how are we still taking him seriously? And now I don't understand it. Uh you know, now I, think, now I think that we have gotten to the point where if he would actually win, it would be like Back to the Future, where, where, the, where the, the bully kid rules the world, you know? Oh, yeah. And he has the tower. That would be the White House. Would, he, would, he would make turn that into condos, and New York City would be the nation's capital, and it would all be run out of Trump Tower
2: you cut it it all down, don't you? I do, because this man is so
1: predictable. It's ridiculous. (laughs) I have a feeling that if he actually won the election, um, he wouldn't even actually act as president. He would just delegate to really stupid people. Uh, Do you realize that our next president is going to have the responsibility of appointing three Supreme Court justices? Ooh. Do we really believe that Donald Trump is up to that? Maybe Gary Busey would be on the fucking Supreme Court. (laughs) Maybe there would be another reality show for that. Right. It would be. It would be American Supreme Court idol. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Well, it'd be stupid. It would be stupid. Oh, my God. Everything would be a Miss America pageant. For
2: shit's oh, sake! That's
1: so funny. You take you're cracking this? me up, girl. I know. I'm. I. You know what? If you're voting for him, God bless you. Take your meds. I. You know, whatever. But I. I just don't get it. I. I. Whatever. He's. He's a little crazy. 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 Crazy for me. So anyhow, look. Oh, let's talk about something funny. Did you? Yeah. well okay speaking of Trump supporters stupid people shouldn't meme Mm. this this is my theme for 2016 stupid people shouldn't meme did you see okay so we all know that somebody's going to be a bazillionaire very soon yes and it's so like I, I, it's up to like 1.4. The the is up to like 1.4 billion dollars right now. Yes. You can't even get if you have to, you have to quit your job to, just to get in line to get a ticket. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. Uh, it's completely really insane. So uh, so there's like people pooling their money and And I'm doing it. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. You know, I'm part of it. No, I'm not sure. actually. I'm not standing in line to buy a ticket. I got I got people to make fun of. But I my husband is part of a pool at work and mm-hmm. you know they they people are doing this shit. Like I never understood the concept of giving one person all your money and asking them <laughs> to buy a bazillion dollar lottery ticket. Like what do you have a do you sign some kind of a
2: contract? Oh no. I I never did.
1: Like what it, are you gonna it do?
2: It might be different now. Why? Well, if I was in it, I would probably pen something up and have everybody sign it.
1: Hells to the yeah, right? Like, there would be some kind of a napkin contract or something (laughs) stating that I gave this person my money to buy these lottery tickets on this date at this location, and I want a photocopy of every one of those tickets in my possession, Because here's the thing. So, like, we did it last week, last Saturday, and the group of them collectively won $7. (laughs) I'm like, I want my 27 cents, bitches.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you know what it is Tara? It's the fun. It's it's the being in the moment. It's the it's the the hope and the the fun. What would we do? It gets people thinking. It's their imagination going for those three or four days and I think it's fun.
1: It is fun. It's super fun cuz I know what I would do with approximately $500,000. After that, sure. it's anybody's guess. Who knows? Sure. Who knows? But I think the first thing that you should do is hire a good financial
2: advisor. Oh yeah, and a bodyguard. Did you see the thing going around that if some someone won it and gave every person in the United States a split it, everybody'd get four point some mil. No.
1: I know. That's why I said stupid people shouldn't <laughs> meme. It's like I can't. Oh, that's
2: the one you saw.
1: Yeah, I can't math today. I have the dumb. It's like. Okay. <laughs> It's for, for those of you who don't get it, there's a meme going around yesterday. They've squashed it. But they said, so if the person who wins $1.4 billion would give every person, 300 million people, um, the, uh, a portion of it, all of us would get $4.3 million. No, asshat. It's $4.33. <laughs> We'd all get a, a venti latte <laughs> at Starbucks and not even get changed like that's not even including the tip
2: right can you imagine the lines at starbucks come on everybody
1: Mm -hmm. that is that is sweet math right there Uh, it's just so funny and the thing that's really funny is the people that have to stop for like 30 seconds and really really think about it (laughs) where's my calculator I got to get my calculator. You can't even put that many numbers in your calculator. Like, how many zeros go in a billion, genius? You haven't even figured that out yet. So silly. But then I read an article this morning about how much we've spent so far on our war with Iraq. Ooh. And it's like $8.7 $8. billion. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, somebody's going to win one-sixth of that in one fell swoop. That's craziness, craziness, craziness. I do think that we need to do a national lottery. I think we need to do a national lottery. And you know how, like in Pennsylvania, our lottery benefits older Pennsylvanians. I think we need to do a national lottery and start putting some of our money back into, you know what I mean? I think it could lower our taxes. Oh, yeah. And I think it could help a lot of veterans and and homeless people. I think that would be a really – and schools. I think it could be a really brilliant way to do national fundraising. It's a national fundraiser. (laughs) Kickstarter. (laughs) Kickstarter for the country. It's a country kickstarter. (laughs) GoFundMe. <laughs> President Obama puts up a GoFundMe page. <laughs> and Trump goes, I got this. <laughs> How much do you need? Okay, now that is that is kind of funny. That's, that's kind of funny. And Bernie Sanders goes, I only need $35. <laughs> send it to the Bernie Sanders fund. My wife set it up.
2: <laughs> She'll send
1: you <sighs> Ay, yi, yi. That's worth a matzo ball. But no, it's, it's <laughs> come on. It's, the, it's become a circus. It's become a three-ring circus, and I don't know what we're going to do about it, but I feel bad for my kids. <sighs> my kids are going to be old enough to vote, and I feel bad for them. Because they don't, they have no clue. They have no clue what they're voting for because we don't talk enough about the real issues. And I think that's what we need to focus on, damn it. So, anyway, this show is brought to you by TK's Toy Box. Did you know that, Kelly? Yes, sir. It's awesome. Awesome. Yes. So, if you need educational, nonviolent, high-quality toys for a charity that you work with or support, contact TK's dot com because that's where you're going to get that stuff. And when we come back from this break, we're going to be talking to Heather Ryan, who is going to talk to us about keeping our kids safe online as well as offline, which is huge, especially in the winter when they're all locked up and logged on. So stay tuned, everybody. We'll be right back.
0: It takes a village to pay the bills in this freaking studio, which is why Tara's taking a cocktail break, and we're taking care of business with the work from these sponsors.
3: Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 Central, on toginet.com.
4: Never heard. Every United States president has brought their own traditions of Christmas to the White House. On Christmas Day in 1795, George Washington had a party for members of Congress in which a bountiful feast was served. As it turned out, the party was made up entirely of men, with the exception of Sash Marie First Lady Martha Washington. A Sash Marie is a term for an older woman known for the quaintness of her finery. President Andrew Jackson's Christmas party held in 1834 included whiffling, a grand dinner, and ended with a hinch pinching indoor snowball fight, which utilized specially made cotton balls. Whiffling is a dance where couples move from side to side. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words.
1: Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome back to the show. I am super excited about our first guest today because um, not only because she's super brilliant and has started an amazing organization, but because the timing of this interview couldn't be more perfect with things that are we're seeing in the news around – kids and being attacked and cyber bullied and, you know, quite honestly, the the 18 year old girl who was just raped by five boys in a playground with her dad um, and the conversations that are happening around that, that absolutely have parent nation, all of us paralyzed with fear um, of what, how do we keep our kids safe? So um, our guest today is Heather Ryan, and she, for 14 years, she was a special agent with the NCIS. Um, So she's investigated child abuse, sexual assault, all of that, you know, homicide. And after spending years catching bad guys... Um, and missing time with her kids, she knew that she had to change. So she turned in all that stuff and she started an organization called Safe in the City, where she teaches women and girls safety workshops and self defense classes. But she also formed, with a friend, Janelle Patterson, the Get Safe Academy. And they're teaching parents how to keep their kids safe physically. In, in the public and online, so I am so thrilled that you're here today, Heather. I can't even can't even tell you how perfect this this timing is.
5: Oh, so. good! I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. So um, we know that that you were in the NCIS, which, my gosh, I got to tell you, that's so sexy. But um... <laughs> <laughs>
5: it's not like a TV show. Not as cool. <laughs> I be- yeah, it's not. It's not. I know I have to break it to people all the time. I didn't work with Mark Harmon. Oh, uh, no DeNozos in my office. Oh, no. <laughs> no, bummer. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, But you did.
1: You, you did investigate some pretty serious stuff.
5: I did. Like, yeah.
1: So you know that the fear that we have is... Would you say that it's exaggerated for real life,
5: you know, for what
1: we're really experiencing today?
5: No, actually, I wouldn't. Now, of course, I am a little bit warped because after you do that for 14 years, you think everyone's a predator, right? Exactly. (laughs) And certainly I think the media twists things um, to get – the attention that they want at times but the reality is especially online it's a really dangerous place right now and if you have parents who aren't informed and don't know where their kids are hanging out online it can be a really dangerous place i don't think that's an exaggeration at all so
1: i mean i'm one of those parents that i never allowed my kids to get into chat rooms and if they were playing games online which is huge now You know, we used to, my husband and I were just talking about this. We used to play like Atari and, right. And you had to have everybody that you wanted to play with come to your house. (laughs) Right.
2: That's how (laughs) we grew up. Right. Exactly. You know, and,
1: and. The, the the most public thing that we had was the freaking party line that would happen to open up while you were on the phone <laughs> and you could listen to other people's conversations. Like that's right. as devious as it got. Right. So, But now our kids are playing Call of Duty and they're playing Minecraft. And in the midst of all of this are live chat rooms where you could be talking and conversing with someone five states away. Who's telling you they're a 13 year old kid and they could be a 35 year old
5: predator and you don't even know? Exactly, exactly. And our kids, you know, they just take it for for face value. You know, somebody's in there and they're saying that they're like you said, a 14 year old girl. Our kids, even though they've been preached at since they were at kindergarten, you know, in kindergarten, not to believe everything that you read online and not everyone that you talk to online is who they seem to be. You know what? Their brains are still developing and they just don't get it. And, you know, this is stuff that we as parents, we're the first generation really to tackle this problem. When we were growing up, you know, if we did something wrong, our parents could look to their parents and say, well, what did you do when Heather crossed the street without looking? You know, what did you do when Tara got sassy with an adult? You know, and and their Mm -hmm. mom would tell them, well, I spanked them or I, whatever, had consequences. I can't go to my mom and say, hey, what would you do when uh, I put up inappropriate pictures on Snapchat? Like, <laughs> exactly. You know, right? My mom has no idea what <laughs> that is. So we're blazing this trail of parenting that we really – no one has come before us this generation. And I mean – and with the new things that come out every day, when we grew up, we didn't even have the internet you know, we have such a steep learning curve, and that's why I'm excited to kind of take everything that I learned as an investigator for 14 years. And then I met this amazing woman who has this great company who's a social media expert, and we're kind of coming together to teach parents everything that we need to know. We need to know how to keep our kids safe physically and while they're online. Both of them are so important together, so I, I feel really excited to uh, start this adventure.
1: It's pretty cool. because when you how did you how did you decide to do something like this because i know that knowing social media i certainly couldn't make a living out of it
5: yeah so it's, it- <laughs> it's overwhelming. So I, you know, the thing is I started teaching these workshops, right? So, um, after I left NCIS, I started safe in the city and I was overwhelmed by how many requests I was getting to come give these workshops, these self-defense classes. And they were all over the country. And you know, the reason I left NCIS was to hang out with my kiddos a little bit more, you know, um, criminals are very rude. So I wasn't home very often, <laughs> you know, you get called in at 2am and things like that. So, Want to make a change, but I wanted to teach all these people everything that I learned. You know, I've been inside these bad guys' minds. I they told me how they picked their victims. Now I want to spread that message and let people know. But the reality was, when I would go to these workshops, there's a lot of questions about social media and um, what are the kids on nowadays, and tell me everything you need to know about it. And listen, I know a lot about physical stuff and how to stay safe, and I can teach you how to respond if someone grabs you, but I don't know a whole lot about social media. So fortunately, I was introduced to um, Janelle Patterson, who's the CEO of a, a social media application called Frenity, and we started talking about how passionate both of us were about Listen. Who do we learn from? And there's a million things online, and there's so much noise online. Mm -hmm. Um, It was hard to find just one place that had all the information just that regular parents need to know. I don't need, for example, regular parents don't need to know ninja moves, right? When I teach self defense courses, you don't need to know how to be a martial. (laughs) I mean, if that's your thing, I say, you go, girl. (laughs) But but most of us, you know, we just need to know how to stay safe. And same with social media. I mean, you could go and find out everything you need to know about Snapchat. And three hours later, you'll be down the Internet, you know, rabbit hole and Mm. still feel like you don't really understand it. So. She started teaching me what I needed to know about social media and really the basics and what I can teach these parents. And then I swear as like a light bulb, I mean, we make a really good team and she's really cool. So we like to hang out, (laughs) you know, Um, that's really cool. Yeah. So, uh, we decided to partner up and we, we took everything she knows everything I know and put it into one nice package with a bow on it. And I've just been so pleased and so overwhelmed by the response that we've gotten. It really, it just makes you feel good, you know, to be passing on information that, that people really need to know. And these social media apps, oh my gosh, they're ever changing. Um, You know, one day there's this one's popular. The next one's not, but you know, moms, especially, we know Facebook pretty much, but that's not where our teenage kids are hanging out. No, Uh, Yeah. So that's how that started. It's really exciting. And you know, the thing that kills me is if you don't know,
1: if your kid says Tinder and you don't know what they're talking about, Mm -hmm. then you
5: have no business letting your kid online. Exactly. Exactly. That's one of our huge. This is what we teach parents all the time. If your kid is on something, you need to be on it. You must because I think it's so easy to bury our heads in the sand and be like, ah, too overwhelming, too much noise, not acceptable. You need to know it. You need to know what your, you know, what are your kids on? You know, we've got, Kick, Vine, WhatsApp, uh, Ask FM, all this stuff. And when I started talking to these moms about it, they were completely oblivious. So what we're doing is, you know, here's the Reader's Digest version of what you need to know, and it's it's really I have found it's been very helpful. I've also found I've been shocked at how little parents do know. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm, <laughs> yes. I'm sure. and again maybe it's because I am hyper paranoid and and I know I know what can happen to these kids. I've sat in the room with kids after they've been victimized, and you know. I sure as hell, I'm not going to let that happen to my kids. So, you know, so you do everything you can, at least to prevent it, and that way you know that you've taken control of the situation. So, um, yeah, there certainly is a lot, a lot to learn.
1: I, I have a, a belief system around online bullying. Yes. Like, like I believe if your child is being bullied online, you hear it all the time. You know, it's so pervasive. It used to be that you would just get bullied at school and then you could come home to your safe haven and nobody would bully you at home. Yeah. And parents are like, it's not like that anymore. So here's my theory. If you shut the shit off,
5: Mm -hmm. then it won't get to them. Right. And I think in a perfect world, that's how it would work. So my so kids what's aren't. stopping us from doing it? So I think what's stopping us from doing it is because it's hard. I, really. I think that that's I, I think that it takes that extra step and listen, we're busy, we're working moms, we're working dads, things get out of control, you, you're busy doing dinner and who's got sports activities and who's got this and who's got that and in the meantime someone's in their room messing around on kick. But you didn't know it because we all get busy and that's normal, you know, we're parents. So I think we just need to be a little more plugged in. You know, and cyberbullying nowadays takes so many different forms. So on each social media application, there are different ways that these kids are bullying each other that might not be as straightforward as what we think because we never went through it. You know, so we think – I think so often that we think the cyberbully is going to get right on Twitter and say – I hate Joe Smith because he smells. That's not what these kids are doing. They've gotten much smarter than we are. So they'll put things out and say things like, I hate her. They're not naming anyone. They can't get in trouble for it, but they know who they're talking about and their social network of friends know who they're talking about. And certainly the child that they're bullying knows who they're talking about. And so then they'll start having these dialogues on social media. Not naming anyone specifically, but that kid who's being bullied knows exactly who they're talking about. And so I think as parents, the key really is to be plugged in, to not let life kind of get you so busy that you forget that when your kid's looking down at their phone all the time, they're texting, or you think that they're texting, or you think that they're just updating their Facebook page status you really need to get in the weeds with them and talk about too. have a dialogue about it it's not just all about give me your phone i'm going to delete all your apps it's have open communication and dialogue and that's a hard thing to do sometimes so, Sure, yeah. especially when we're so worried about their privacy right
1: right like i sometimes mean sometimes you've just got to put that away
5: if uh, yeah. thought your kid was doing drugs would you not go through their room right exact well yeah exactly i i would and there's they have all different kinds of apps right now i know that that's a big hot button topic about Your kids' privacy and yada, yada, and you and I sound like we're kind of on the same page because, I mean, I paid for the phone, so thank you very much. It's (laughs) fine. However, (laughs) there are things for parents who have kind of a a different view, and and I logically, I get the alternative point of view is, you know, if you start spying on them, they're going to go deeper underground. They're going to hide stuff. The I'm kind of twofold on that. The great thing is uh, we know about the apps. They have hidden apps on the on your phone. So we teach parents about those hidden apps to what to look for. Um, but they also have things like there's a, a program now called Pocket Guardian and it, you can install it on the phone and it doesn't spy on the child's. Phone, But it has this really cool algorithm. It was created by these really smarty pants um, guys. And it will find, it's not only a keyword search, but it will look for algorithms. Like you can say, I hate the snow, but that's something different than saying, I hate uh, Bill, right? Right. So this really cool application can tell the difference. And what it does is then it notifies you via text message or email or whatever you choose you know to let you know hey you might want to take a look Mm it's a cool alternative Uh, it's i like it yeah for parents who go down that route that's one thing for me i'm gonna snatch it do Mm -hmm. because that's because it's mine and as long as i pay for something then it's mine
2: absolutely (laughs) like my kids
5: can't my kids
1: can't have a password on their phones that i don't know i like it i like it it. absolutely not
5: It's necessary. And, and I, and I know that that's touchy for people and that probably sparks some discussion, but that's how I feel. I get the other people too, but if you're going to go the other route, then I say, be sure that just because you don't want to take their phone and go through it, you still have that responsibility to know what's going on. Right? So maybe you put in a pocket guardian or maybe you have a way that you check in with them every day. I don't know, but you can't bury your head in the sand. That's a recipe for disaster.
1: I say we give each other our cell phones at the dinner table and read each other's posts.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's awesome. And, you know, the other <laughs> – you bring up a really good point here. Like, what are we modeling? Mm-hmm. You know, are, are you putting out stuff on Facebook that you wouldn't want a future employer or your grandma to see? So, you know, it's like everything else. You know, mean, mean kids are sometimes made by mean moms, right? Exactly. So, you know uh, – you want them to have good behavior on social media, then you have good behavior on social media. You don't check into stores when you get there because you'll get a 20% off discount. you know We mm-hmm. tell our kids not to check into places and you don't do it. Exactly. Um, you know it's something to keep in mind. It's really modeling your behavior on social media is really no different than modeling your behavior in everyday life as I see it.
1: Absolutely. And you have an offer for parent nation. If they text parent nation, the term parent nation to four, four, two, 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 you're going to send them a free copy of your ebook, keeping kids safe. Correct? I am. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that you were on here, Heather. It was super important. Thanks and for having me, Tara. Absolutely, and everything you do is super important. So I want everybody to check out your websites and everything that you do. And when we come back, we're going to be talking to Britt. Britt writes about getting rid of your shoulds.
0: With more parenting with a twist.
3: For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying, to 14 ways to get a baby to eat, and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on togynet.com.
4: How would you like to put a little razzle-dazzle and bling into your summer vacation? A woman from Colorado found the Crater of Diamonds State Park on an Arkansas highway map and decided to check it out. In the Crater of Diamonds State Park, visitors can dig for diamonds and other precious stones and are allowed to keep whatever they find. Bobby Oscarson was doing just that in a muddy area known as the pig pen when she was gobsmacked to find a glistening white diamond half the size of a quarter. Shaped like an icicle, the 8.5-carat gem was enough to make any Flapidocia proud. Finding a diamond is any macabre's dream. Those are people who come up with elaborate schemes for making or finding money. It's Merging day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas.
0: Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy-Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk
1: for real parents clean my house (laughs) it's time to clean their house you know what it means if my house is clean i have big closets and a broken computer shaken
0: and stirred up with a twist from america's family advocate tara kenneth klein and now back to the show
1: Hey, everybody, welcome back to the show. I do want to make sure that, because um, I don't know if everybody heard that, um, that uh, Heather Ryan is offering her free ebook to all of you if you text Parent Nation to 44222. And uh, we're going to put those links and stuff up on the Parent Nation Facebook page as well. Now we're going to be talking about how we need to stop shooting on ourselves. I love that, Kelly. Oh, I know. <laughs> All right. So our next guest, Britt Reitz, is the author of an, an Amateur's Guide to the Pursuit of Happiness, and she has shared her practical approach to happiness on a bazillion different outlets. You might have seen it on the Huffington Post, Yahoo, Redbook. Um, she teaches audiences and uh, conferences and corporations all over the United States about how to um, find, their, find their happiness. And she, was, she traveled around the country in an RV for 10 months, and now she lives in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which I have to tell you was voted one of the least happy places in the United yeah. States. So it's amazing that she actually – is spreading happiness, and I, I hope that it spreads a little bit over here towards the Philly area as well. And uh, we're going to talk to her about how we can make everybody happier. So, hey, Britt, how are you? Hey, I'm good. I have to say that's the first
6: I've heard that about Pittsburgh, and I'm shocked.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know that?
6: I didn't know that. We're always on all sorts of best places to live and visit lists, and I have not... I I know we're fat, but I have not heard that we're unhappy. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's kind of... It's one of those... They did an Angriest Cities in America survey, and Pittsburgh was way up there. Steeler Nation. They actually referred to it as Steeler Nation when they described the anger.
6: Well, I I guess if you... If you weigh that in, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Pennsylvania's that. football team audiences are, are are pretty angry people. I mean, Philadelphia was the first football team to have a court in their stadium. <laughs> <Did> you- <laughs> so- well, that's something to be proud of. <laughs> Go Philly! Philly proud, yeah. keeping it classy. Absolutely. So you... Travel So seriously, how old were your kids when you spent 10 months in an RV with them? So
6: they were 6 and 11 when we started, um, and they were 12 and 7 when we ended, which is no accident, because um, one of the reasons why we actually stopped uh, and decided that we needed to be in a more permanent, permanent community is because our son turned 12, and we realized very quickly that he needed to be around other 12 year olds because we could not handle the brunt of his budding teenage angst on our own. So,
1: oh, welcome to that age.
6: <laughs> I am now happily on the other side of that with him. So, you know, but yeah, that's, I would not, I, I'm all for families taking off and having big adventures. Um, anyone who does it with a, a young teenager, Pass bless you. off,
1: but I, I, would reckon, <laughs> I would recommend planning otherwise. Right? Oh my gosh! You know, if they're no, if they can't be in a car seat anymore, and they think that you're, they're all right all the time, you probably yeah. don't want to spend ten months in a confined space with them.
6: Exactly. However, if they're still at that adorable age where they think that everything you say is fantastic, and mm-hmm. they can walk on their own, then that—that's the sweet spot.
1: <laughs> I think that ends at like kindergarten. Because like oh, once they're in kindergarten, no, no, now the no. teacher knows everything and you're just stupid.
6: Oh, no. No. I have, How
1: old are your kids? Well, my kids are old. They're 14 oh, okay. and 17.
6: Oh, see, I'm very acutely aware of because my daughter is five years younger than my son. And she's just now starting that that thing again and I remember her being about six, seven, eight years old and saying oh mom I will always love you I will oh, never yeah. ever ever be like that um, and now she's almost 11 and I say to her remember how you said that?
1: exactly exactly. Yeah. I tell my sons all the time you used to say you were going to marry me so shut <laughs> it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember that yeah not Jeez. anymore <laughs> not no more no I make them cook for me it's good stuff. I make my so, son get all the high things for me, so. Oh, yay. Short girl problems. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I call them stretch. They like that. Hey, stretch. Get over here. I'm bigger than mom. That's right, but I can still take you, so watch it. That's how it goes in my house. And then we hug it out. So you talk about how the things that we can do. First of all, I love the phrase, stop shooting on yourself.
6: I do, too, and I have to tell you that I cannot take credit for that. Um, a friend of mine, actually from Pittsburgh, the woman who convinced us to come visit Pittsburgh, her mom used to always say that. Um, and she, you know, would would say it to me, what I would say, oh, well, I should, or, you know, oh, you should. She would say, don't don't shit on me. Um, and I, I always thought that was funny. And I, it's funny because I started saying that in my talks, and, and I actually wrote a chapter on it I think in my book and you know people will say to me oh gosh that's so funny you come up with that I'm like well I have to give credit where credit is due um yeah it was a, a friend of mine here and it, it really just stuck with me and it it makes you realize how often we say well I should uh, mm-hmm. it's now my friends and family they'll say I tell my husband all the time don't you shut on me Right. And, and my friends, if they say the S word in front of me, they'll say, I know, I know, I know, I know.
1: <laughs> the S word. I like <laughs> yeah. it. That's pretty awesome. My kids will be like, cool, it's switched. <laughs> <laughs> That's so yeah, funny.
6: I honestly, I think that one, I think should is worse than the other one because uh, it really is. It becomes this verbal cue for from all the times that we find ourselves doing things because we think we're supposed to, um, which is, is symbolic of a bigger issue, right? It's symbolic of the issue of how many decisions big and small we make in our lives because we're being guided by some. Societal pressure. We, (laughs) yeah, societal pressure. You know, we don't even know if you stop and say, well, why should you? Um, I remember being in therapy once and, you know, telling my therapist, like, oh, well, I'm I'm trying to be a good person because they and we, and and she said to me, who, who are they? I'm like, well, you know. The <laughs> so green, powerful know. they. That, that's, yes, <laughs> that's not a thing, <laughs> you know. Neither, by the way, is a universal definition of what it means to be, quote, unquote, a, you know, good person and do the right thing. That's not just um, some, some, standard that doesn't require some, you know a little personal examination.
1: Right. You know, it's so funny that you say that because in conversations with my, my clients and my own family and friends, I have replaced they with society. Yes. Society says. Uh-huh. And when you do that, it's amazing the the switch that you flip in your head that makes whatever you just said less meaningful
6: it is and i think it makes it really clear that you then have the choice right like it, it doesn't mean that those societal pressures don't exist but mm-hmm. it means that it makes it really obvious that you have the choice whether you're going to buy into that or not you know exactly. uh, and there are some things that society says that we buy into i talk about this with my teenager all the time you know because he's really big on well that's just a social norm and so I should be able to swear in front of you if I want. <laughs> or you know, right. That's just a social norm, so I should be able to swear, blah, 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 if I want. Uh, and sometimes he's right, and sometimes I will say, you're absolutely right. That, however, is a social norm that I am completely 150% behind. This is why. I like it. You know, mm-hmm. social society isn't necessarily bad, um, but it's definitely something to be to, – think about and it not only that but it's kind of humbling right it's kind of humbling how often we find ourselves making we like to think of ourselves as being super independent thinkers and every decision we have we make is based on our own values and you know like we we came up in a vacuum or something um and it's kind of humbling to realize just how much is influenced by society
1: it's so true it's so true, and it's it's funny that you said that your kid um, is challenging you on swearing because, you know, like saying, oh, Jesus, you know, just saying that mm-hmm. is is common, right? Mm-hmm. People do it all the yep. time. You put his last name on there, now you're cussing. Right. <laughs> right? right, or I will say to him, I, would you really say that in front
6: of your grandmother, you know, or okay, I want you to think about when we were hanging out at the library and you heard those little kids cussing and swearing, what did you think? Mm-hmm. You thought they sounded like morons, you know, and you thought they sounded like kind of bad seeds. That's what you thought. So yep. be aware. <laughs> exactly.
1: because Just that's be what, aware that that's what that is, you know. That's amazing. So you take parents through, is it a process of how to become happier? Oh,
6: um, it is not. I, I like. I would probably be rich and famous if I was willing to say, you know, here it is. It's a process. It's step one, step two, step three. It's the same for everybody. Uh, but the reality is that's just not the case. Uh, in, my, in my book, Ameri- uh, America's Guide, An Amateur's Guide to the pursuit <laughs> of Happiness, I actually break it down into what I call five maps. And the reason I did that is because I don't think that there is any one way. I think there's a lot of ways to get to generally the same place. Um, and I think that the the route you take kind of depends on where you're at in your life or how you're feeling. Um, you know, honestly, just kind of what mood you're in. Like I went through a phase where I was all gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. Everything mm-hmm. is gratitude. And it was really easy for me to do. And that was really helpful. And that was really great. But I'm the kind of person that gets bored with things. And so, you know, That was best friends. You you just kind (laughs) of find something else to do. There was also a time in my life where there was a lot of upheaval and things beyond my control, and so acceptance was far and away the most powerful thing I did to make myself happier. Um, Mm. So no, there isn't. There isn't one process. There are a lot of different tools that you can use. Um, I think that first and foremost, it does come down to personal responsibility. So I think once you make that paradigm shift and go, Okay, this is my job. I'm responsible for making myself happy. It's not my job to make anybody else happy, and it's no one else's job to make me happy. Once you can have that paradigm shift, then it's just a matter of all right, what are which tool is best makes sense for me to use right now? Hmm. And it's ongoing. I mean, there is no happiness is not some despite my lovely math metaphor. It's not some magical place you arrive at. It's a decision you make every day, a thousand times a day, you know? It's so true. Um, and like I said, I'd probably be super rich and famous if I said, no, it's just five steps, but that's just crap. That's just not reality.
1: And the thing that's so funny is the reason I said you and I could be best friends is because I went through a very, very similar process. Like Mm -hmm. I was in a, in a state of severe depression. And then I went through this, this transformational process where it was like you all about gratitude. Everything was gratitude, gratitude, you know, keep the journals and make Mm -hmm. the dream boards and, you know, be thankful for everything 15 times a day and all of Mm -hmm. that stuff. And then I became this person that people look to. So I started seeing the crap. Yes. And I was no longer allowed to be reactive to the crap. Yeah. Because I had to be happy all the time. People, I went through this,
6: it was probably about two years. And, you know, I would have business coaches that would say, you're the happiness expert. And I was like, oh, my God, I please don't put that on me. Please don't put that on me. You know, my son, again, the smart, smart mouth older one would say, <laughs> jokingly, <laughs> but would say, well, I'm not very happy right now. I feel like that means you're kind of failing at your job. You know? Oh, absolutely. Or, or a friend would say, Oh no, no, I'm sorry. I just said should and I was like, Oh my gosh, you guys. I am <laughs> not any sort of you know, I'm just a human being who has I, I have absolutely made some significant changes in my life and figured out I am I'm a definitely a much happier person than I was ten years ago or even five years ago, but I still live in the real world, you know, and I have chronic depression. Like I it's in my family history. I take an antidepressant every day. Thank God's medication, but there will be days throughout the year where getting out of bed mm-hmm. is not happening, <laughs> you know. Right. Um so yeah, there is no one magical I I can't be that. I can't I can't be that you know, pinnacle guru. This is how
1: I know. And do, do you it. find that people put the, the, um, fault for their own self-realizations on you? Um, like, Ooh, I made a mistake in front of the parenting expert. Yeah. Right. It's like, ah, oh, shut yeah. up. Yeah,
6: definitely. <laughs> definitely. I mean, less so. Cause I'm, I'm pretty open. I try very hard. Um, to be really open about, you know, being realistic and sharing the process. I always say that no one is happy all the time. Uh, if you're happy all the time, that's a sign of mental illness. Like seriously, (laughs) it's not okay. You know, happiness, when people, when people say happiness, usually what they're talking about is an emotion And, and being quote unquote happy. is just one of many emotions that human beings should feel if they're, you know, healthy and functional people. Um, don't shoot on me. No. Yeah. <laughs> right? I know. I know. I'm like, see, there's like, uh, no other way to say that. But, uh, but seriously, you know, the, the whole happy, that in quotes, you can't see me, but I'm doing happy in air quotes, that, that's just an emotion. I think when I'm really talking about being happy and what most people talk about when they say they want to be happy um, is really this balance of being content and then having moments of joy, you know. But having that peace and that content that sort of keeps the bottom from falling out.
1: I love that. Thank you so much, Britt. That was such a great um interview and great points and really great inspiration for not being happy all the time, but finding the happiness in the moments. And I want everybody to check out your book and the amateur's guide to the pursuit of happiness and parent nation. You can listen to this again and again and again. If you need more information, don't forget to text parent nation to four, four, two, two, two for the guide to keeping your kids safe and join the conversation on our Facebook page, parent nation radio. And until next week, everybody, Keep playing. Why do we keep calling this the hardest job on the planet? Why don't we just appreciate the gift that we're given and try calling